The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credenced soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credence Soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We kick off a new week back from Kansas City. The National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention last week had a great time there. As always, saw a lot of our colleagues from around the country and talked with several folks from our Adams on Agriculture affiliates. Good to talk with them and see them. And good to have you with us this morning as we... uh, kick off a a new week should be another interesting week lots going on today we're going to talk weather with dtm meteorologist bryce anderson also we're going to tell you about their upcoming dtn ag summit that'll be in chicago next month and you have the opportunity to to register maybe win a free registration we're going to have you uh Go to our website. We'll tell you more about this a little bit later on. Get your name in there, and then we'll draw next week, and uh, someone will get a free registration to that DTN Ag Summit. We'll tell you all about that coming up. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley is going to join us today, a Washington update from Senator Grassley, and we'll talk markets with uh, Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. He was in Kansas City last week as well, as was Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for being with us. Good to see you last week in Kansas City. It was great to see you and all the other farm broadcasters. Mike, good morning and happy to be with you. Well, it's always a good time, and uh, I know you are heavily involved in a lot of aspects uh, of our National Association of Farm Broadcasting, including great support for our foundation, which provides scholarships for young people getting into the business. Uh, That's very important, as we're always looking for uh, these young people to get involved and uh, take over uh, for the next generation of of, uh, ag journalism. Absolutely. You know, we've got a great foundation board and are just so appreciative of not only the support from the farm broadcasting members, but also the industry sponsors who have donated graciously to help fund those student scholarships, the professional improvement activities, and a lot of internships so that uh, several stations like yours can have some young people working and learning at the same time for a, an internship. Well, let's look ahead to this week. Uh, government funding, that's going to be the biggie, right? It certainly is. Uh, The current funding measures expire on Thursday, so this is kind of like a 911 in terms of trying to keep the government funded. They have to do something before Friday, so we're going to be watching to see if they can pull together probably what's going to be another continuing resolution because, as you know, Mike, there has been absolutely uh, no progress on the 12 uh, spending packages that they have to get approved in order to keep the government funded. So as long as the Republicans and Democrats remain far apart on what should be in all of those measures, we're probably going to kick the can down the road and look for another continuing resolution. What is your sense there in Washington, D.C., of how well Congress, with their claims that they can do more than one thing at once, how much are they getting done other than the impeachment hearings? Or is that just sucking all the oxygen out of uh, Washington right now? 
Well, it certainly isn't sucking all of the oxygen out of the room, but as I talked to different folks last week that had served as congressional staffers, it certainly takes a lot of the oxygen out of the room, and so it's distracting. It has a lot of people all tied up in knots. It makes a partisan atmosphere even more partisan, and so it is making it more difficult. Now, having said that, Mike, I really do believe that there's going to be passage of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement yet this fall. Uh, There's not very many legislative days left, but you've seen Speaker Pelosi last week say that the passage of the deal was imminent and it has to start in the House, where she is in control. Richard Neal, who is chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, told us that he expects to see some of the text on enforcement. Uh, That's really a key issue for how they're going to enforce some of these labor and environmental standards. He hopes to see that this week. And we also saw the Washington Post even today editorialize that, yes, there are the impeachment hearings, and that is important, but let's get USMCA done. So you're seeing a lot of people weigh in. I think the farm community is also very hyper-focused on making sure that members understand the importance of this. And so I'm still very optimistic that they could at least do that part in addition to everything going on on impeachment. Meanwhile, Secretary Purdue says uh, those checks, uh, those deposits, I guess they'll actually be direct deposits uh, for farmers, uh, on the next round of uh, market facilitation program payments are about to happen. Yes, he seemed to be very uh, uh, you know, optimistic about the fact that these payments that will start today and go through December 6th will represent 25% of the anticipated MFP. Growers already got 50%, and that these will go out before Thanksgiving, and then not to be optimistic about a third tranche of payments. Uh, He seems to think that the deal with the Chinese is going to get done, but reports from China this morning seem more pessimistic than optimistic. So I think that's still a work in progress, and more has to be done, but at least there will be some payments out there in the countryside, much needed, especially after such a tough growing season for many. Secretary was in Kansas City last week, not just for a National Association of Farm Broadcasting uh, Convention, but uh, uh, Kansas City's kind of become a focal point with the the changes going on with uh, government agencies. Yes, with the move of the Economic Research Service and the National Institute of Food and Agriculture was widely heralded by the Kansas City community, as you may have witnessed. They had a good showing uh, a couple weeks ago. They had over 300 people show up for a job fair. So strong interest in the jobs that the USDA might provide, a lot of support from the agribusiness community. I know it's not popular for a lot of people in Washington, D.C., especially those whose jobs were impacted and are not going to make the move. But the secretary certainly had a pretty strong expression of support while he was in Kansas City. Meanwhile, back on trade, uh, we got word from uh, Undersecretary McKinney uh, last week about China lifting a ban on U.S. poultry. Uh, Remains to be seen, is that another goodwill gesture, or is that a sign of things to come for there with China opening up to the U.S.? It certainly seemed like a goodwill gesture to me, and certainly we also uh, recognize that uh, they can export poultry to us. So, You know, this is a huge opening for the U.S. poultry industry, and it really could open the door for, you know, maybe a a billion of that 50 billion or so that we've been promised is going to be coming. 
certainly it, it shows that the Chinese are eager to work with us, and they are still buying our products, uh, corn, soybeans, and, uh, and, and pork products. But, again, there's a lot of other things that have to happen in this agreement. And apparently they want the tariffs to be removed, and the president has not been uh, giving out that sort of uh, concession at this point. So we're hopeful that USTR and some of the other folks who are doing the negotiating on the sidelines can stick in there and see if they can reach a, a mutually agreeable uh, sort of text going yep, forward. Continue to wait and see if they can work that out. Well, again, Sarah, good to see you last week. Last week, Thanks for being on with us today. You're welcome. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. All right, up next, we talk weather with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson and talk about the upcoming DTN Ag Summit and how you can uh, sign up, maybe get a free registration to that event. We'll tell you about it next on AOA. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams and welcome back we're joined by dtm meteorologist bryce anderson bryce thanks for being with us harvest continues to roll on uh, what kind of weather this week ahead well i don't know if uh, we're going to see a whole lot of rolling uh during hmm. especially uh the the um first part of this week over the uh, northern uh, tier of the Corn Belt, Mike, and uh, certainly I think Interstate 90 is kind of the southern border of a real tough area for harvest uh, still happening. Um, it, it's a, it's a, a situation in the northern Corn Belt where uh, there, there's just not one, one uh, part of, the, say, the temperature uh, pattern that's going to help things out. It's either uh, it's not warm enough, obviously, in November to dry out the ground that has been hit with rain and snow and everything, along with uh, drying the, uh, with uh, late uh, planted grain that is uh, still uh, quite high in moisture. It's not warm enough to dry out uh, you know, the, the uh, grain component uh, or to really dry out some of the uh, wettest ground. But we're not uh, seeing a real cold uh, temperature trend either to at least allow the ground to freeze in order to support machinery. So I've uh, I had some uh, correspondence over the weekend uh, telling me that in parts of the uh, northern tier of the Corn Belt, uh, growers tried to send a combine out into fields that uh, that looked favorable. You know, looked dry at the surface. But uh, there, there just wasn't enough of a dry or a frozen uh, layer to support a, you know, a, a combine that weighs uh, several thousand pounds, obviously. And so uh, there are 
you know, occasions where uh, machinery got stuck, and then uh, you pull out the machinery and you have big ruts in the field, so you've got that issue now. So it still is going to be very slow in the northern Corn Belt on harvest. Now, farther south, uh, we're better, uh, we're farther along on progress. And so there probably has even been some fall field work done. Uh, that's going to uh, be able to uh, get accomplished until rain moves out of the northern areas into the southeastern Midwest this week. I know that's a real complicated answer, but, you know, this is a complicated harvest. And so I think it all works together. Yeah, you're right. I said rolls on. Some places it's not rolling very well at all. But other places, uh, yeah, there's been fall field work done and, uh, uh, you know, and hydras getting on. So it just depends on your area, but uh, we know some areas are really struggling to get this done. But here we are, you know, past mid-November, so that's the problem you have when you have such a late harvest, right? You're going to run into those kind of issues. Definitely so. And and uh, there's, uh, what, maybe 6 7% of the soybean crop still to be uh, taken out of the field uh, when we see the report this afternoon. I think that um, the, the soybeans will all get harvested, but now on corn, nationally, uh, maybe around 85% uh, harvest is going to be uh, tabulated by USDA uh, this afternoon. And of that 15% of the corn crop that is still not harvested, we know that the majority of that is in the wetter areas in the northern corn belt. And you know, Mike, I think that we're going to see the open corn crib concept used this season. And by that I mean, yes, there's going to be a fair amount of corn that just stays out in the field all the way through the winter until next spring. I mean, why not? Because uh, drying is going to be a problem. Uh, you know, getting propane has been a problem. We know that. And you might as well just let it uh, hang out in the field and see what happens because everything has been so, um, you know, so disrupted in so many ways. Talk to DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, any other big system forming, gathering we should be watching for? Not over the uh, Midwest uh, too much. So we're going to see, like I say, just a, an occurrence of showers uh, this week. Now to our south, in uh, the southwestern U.S., uh, they're going to get some rain and snow even in uh, Arizona, New Mexico, and Colorado. And that might uh, scoot across the southern plains offering some moisture for the winter wheat crop, and they'll take it. Uh, there are parts of Texas that still need some uh, drought easing, and then uh, that moisture is going to move into the Delta and the Ohio Valley later this week. And I think the, the big uh, impact there would simply be to slow down additional field work that's been done. We know that the harvest has pretty well been taken care of, but uh, that could uh, cause some issues with field work, and maybe it's enough to just uh, force producers to uh, call it good on the fall field work uh, situation. But as far as uh, any real uh, harsh uh, safety, uh, safety threatening storms or anything like that, uh, this week is not going to have that as part of the mix. All right. What about uh, down in South America? What's their weather like? They are looking uh, quite promising for rainfall in the drier areas of both Brazil and Argentina because in uh, northeastern Brazil, there's a region that's uh, a, a collection of different states. I mean, we, we have that here in the U.S. For example, we have the Arklatex region, right? Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. 
um, you, you combine those for a specific area. They've got that in northeastern Brazil. It's called Mapitoba, uh, combining uh, uh, areas of the states of Maranao, uh, POI, Tocantins, and Bahia that uh, collectively form an area that has now uh, forged into production of about 15% of the Brazil soybean crop. It's been very dry in this part of Brazil lately, but this week they're in line for anywhere from one to three inches of rain, and they should have good soil moisture for putting soybeans in the ground, and they will certainly take it. And then in Argentina, uh, the uh, state of Cordoba, at the western, in the western third of the Argentina crop belt, has been quite dry, but Cordoba has had some rain recently, going to get some more this week, and so when it's all um, shaken out, you got to think that the Argentina soil moisture is uh, looking quite favorable as well, if that forecast verifies for this week. There's no reason to think that there's any real uh, crop weather concern in Argentina right now. All right, Bryce, before we let you go, tell us about your upcoming DTN Ag Summit that's going to be held next month in Chicago. Well, it's, uh, it's let's see, it's, I believe, our 11th or, tw- uh, no, it's our 13th Ag Summit, Mike. We started this back in uh, 2007, and um, the focus uh, this year is really on, on finding uh, strategies uh, to overcome all the obstacles that uh, we've got going on in the business. And everybody knows uh, what we're dealing with uh, in terms of uh, challenges to economy and uh, challenges in the market and so forth. We have uh, a, a round of speakers uh, who are going to address that very well, and and uh, they're going to, to offer uh, the kind of insights that, that uh, help to to um, to cope with uh, not only market challenges but also challenges in working with bankers and uh, even in in uh, you know dealing with a different um, uh, consumer environment that we're in these days. Uh, one of our our keynoters is Luke Chandler, who is uh, the chief economist at Deere and Company, and uh, he's going to um, to share uh, the uh, the prospects for both regional and enterprise initiatives, not just here in the U.S., but around the world, that are going to be a part of uh, this, this uh, business as we move forward. And then developing trust is another uh, big key, both you know, within uh, our own ag community and then, again, working with consumers uh, outside the community. So you combine all that with um, networking that we have. We've got uh, some dinners and uh, social hours planned. It's going to be a, a real worthwhile and uh, kind of a whirlwind three, three and a half days, depending on how everybody schedules out. But uh, Monday, December, uh, December 9th through Wednesday, December 11th, at the Fairmont Millennium Park Hotel in Chicago is where it's all happening. Very good. I'll be there on the 10th broadcasting uh, Adams on Agriculture. And here's what we are offering you. Uh, we are going to give you a chance to get free registration to the DTN Ag Summit. If you go to our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com, click on Adams on Agriculture, just scroll down a little bit, you'll see DTN Ag Summit Contest. Enter to win a registration to the DTN Ag Summit. Just click on there, fill that out, and next Monday we'll be announcing our first uh, winner, and then we'll do uh, one the following week as well. So a chance for you to get a free registration to the DTN Ag Summit. Uh, Bryce, I'm looking forward to being there on the 10th. Sounds like it's going to be a really good meeting. 
Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, looking forward to having you there. And I, I would like to mention also that, um, that uh, a reduced rate for the uh, event and uh, the special hotel rate, uh, that time frame runs out on uh, Monday, November 25th, next Monday. So, so the more that, uh, you know, the earlier that you sign up, uh, the, the better the chance to uh, get in on the reduced uh, rates for uh, both the event, the summit, and for the hotel rate at the Fairmont. Very good. Thanks, Bryce. Great to talk to you, Mike. Appreciate it. Take care. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson on AOA. Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air, taking care of the people you love, and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres. That's smart. With Credence Soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres. And that Credence variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're very happy to welcome back to Adams on Agriculture, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Senator, thanks for being with us. Hello. Yes, Senator, good to have you with us. Yeah, I'm always glad to be with you. I hope I just thank you enough for the opportunity. Well, it's our pleasure. We have lots to talk about, and let's get the big one out of the way first. Uh, what are your thoughts on the impeachment hearing so far? Well, at least now they're out in the open, whereas for the first three weeks, they were very much in seclusion, and and nobody was supposed to talk about what was going on, but the, the Democrats always had leaks uh, of... Uh, of information that was favorable to their point of view, and Republicans couldn't say anything. Now, out in the open isn't much better from this standpoint, that if you look at the Nixon and the Clinton impeachments, one time there was a Democrat minority and the other time a Republican minority. In each case, the minority uh, had uh, opportunity to call any witnesses they wanted, and uh, the president's counsel could cross-examine. And uh, this is an entirely uh, Democrat-run show. The chairman of the committee can keep any Republican witness from uh, testifying, and so far I haven't seen any Republican witnesses. Some say it's a foregone conclusion that uh, the House will vote to impeach and will send it over to the Senate. If so... Will that be a lengthy process, you think, or how quickly would that go in the Senate? I can give you two answers. If it follows the Clinton example, it'll go for five uh, weeks, and we have to spend six out of seven days being jurors, and no senator can speak. Just listen. Uh, The other thing is, with six Democrat senators running for president, there's some feeling that they won't want to be tied down being a juror because they have to sit there and not say anything, and they wouldn't look very well as a senator listening to uh, why a president ought to be impeached if they're out campaigning. So they won't be able to campaign, and they'll want to get it over soon 
and maybe it won't last very long. So between those two, that's the best way I can answer your question. It'll be interesting. We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Let's go on to other matters that need to be addressed. Spending bills. What do you see happening there as we approach the deadline uh, this week? I'm glad you asked me about policy because one of the things I didn't say about impeachment, when I'm home in Iowa, not one person asked me about impeachment. Uh, People are interested in what you're talking about, not shutting down government. And by the way, government won't be shut down on Thursday, November 21st. I think that's already worked out. Number two, what Iowans are talking about is USMCA, China trade, uh, things of that nature, why they can't get LP gas. That's what I'm hearing from all my farmer constituents right now. They can't get LP gas. So uh, Senator Ernst and I wrote a letter to FERC asking them to do what they did in 2014. Uh, They uh, ordered the pipelines to carry LP gas. Uh, Now the pipelines are filled either with LP gas for two or three days and then with butane for two or three days and home heating uh, LP for another two or three days and pretty soon you have eight or nine days in a week and uh, and the farmers are uh, leaving their corn in the field because they can't dry it. Yeah, it really seemed to be an infrastructure, a pipeline issue, much more than a supply issue. So that's being worked on. Well, uh, that's why we wrote to FERC, uh, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, uh, FERC. We wrote to FERC because they uh, have the authority to uh, intervene and get some of these pipelines used uh, more for LP gas for drying. All right. On the spending, you said the government won't shut down Thursday. It will be a continuing resolution then? Yeah, until Christmas. And then hopefully it's all done by Christmas uh, through September 30th. If it isn't, then who knows when it's going to be done. January, if we're in impeachment, it can't be done in January uh, and until impeachment gets over in the United States Senate. All right. On USMCA, which you have been uh, really out pushing to get this thing done, uh, we're, we hear some optimistic things, and we hear you know negative things. Uh, what's your assessment of getting it done this year? Is it going to happen? Um, uh, yes, but let me say, since I don't control anything until it, I'm chairman of the committee, we have jurisdiction over trade, so when I say I control it, we can bring it up immediately after the House passes it, but we can't bring it up until the House passes it, because it's got to start in the House first. So it's up to Pelosi, but uh, my feeling is all very positive, based upon what Pelosi has said continuously, uh, the fact that it's narrowed down to uh, finally satisfying the unions on labor enforcement, uh, and uh, getting either one or two things, either labor support or getting labor uh, not to condemn it. And I would think labor wouldn't condemn it because I've heard labor unions for 25 years now say how bad NAFTA is. And this is a vast improvement on NAFTA. And I'll use my judgment, uh, my statement based not on what Chuck Grassley says, but I held a news conference with the number one Democrat in the state of Iowa, Secretary Vilsack, former governor of Iowa, and he said he said more than once, not just when I was with him, more than once, that... Uh, uh, USMCA is a very good uh, document, particularly for agriculture, and it ought to move ahead. So how come we aren't having all these Democrats that are in Iowa now 
campaigning for President of the United States, trying to satisfy Democratic farmers that are going to go to the Democratic caucus. Why aren't they telling them uh, that uh, they're for USMCA and it ought to get passed if, if Secretary Vilsack's for it? Meanwhile, as we wait for news on China, a big part of that, of course, is tariffs. You are you have been working on on Section 232 tariff reform, not just for President Trump's administration, but for any president. Tell us about those efforts. Yeah, you made that. I'm glad you made that clear that I'm not doing this just because Trump has put tariffs on. This is something that was wrong with Congress in 1962 when they delegated so much of congressional authority over international trade to the President of the United States to make a decision on. I, I want to be very, uh, uh, very supportive of the Constitution and uh, Congress's prerogative to determine international trade policy. That's why I want to change 232. We're stymied from this standpoint that, uh, that uh, my Democrat counterpart, Senator Wyden of Oregon, is very much a free trader. I think he's going to work with us to get something done, but he asked if I would hold off for a little while till we get done with USMCA. So in order to have bipartisanship, I'm going to cooperate with uh, Senator Wyden on that. All right. And finally, tax extenders. Will we get a tax extenders package with the biodiesel tax credit? I sure hope so, but I haven't seen any movement on it. We've had four weeks of negotiation between the Ways and Means Committee uh, staff of both Republican and Democrat and my staff and Wyden's staff of Finance Committee trying to find a compromise. Uh, I think we're going to get the job done, but I, uh, there's no way I can see light at the end of the tunnel right now. But see, the, the light at the end of the tunnel would have had to uh, come brighter by November 21st because it would have had to be put on the last appropriation bill to pass Congress. Now that is forwarded until uh, December, so there's another four weeks to work on it. So that's the vehicle, right, attaching it to yeah. that spending bill? Oh, almost always that's when it happens, yeah. So the When I say now, almost like... always, the, uh, we aren't talking about something that's brand new here. We've had extenders over the last 30 years. Every two or three mm-hmm. years, uh, tax policy sunsets, and then it has to be reinstituted. And in the case of the biodiesel tax credit, it's been off as much as it's been on, it seems like. Yeah, but don't forget, it's uh, we've only had a biodiesel tax credit since, I think, 2003 or four. So it hasn't been like a lot of other tax credits that have been around for three decades. Mm-hmm. All right, Senator, we'll let you go. Thank you very much for your time, as always. We know you're busy. We appreciate you taking time to be with us. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. So that's interesting. Continuing resolution this week, kicking the can down the road a little farther on a spending bill till December, and maybe that's when that tax extenders package will get done. It'll have to be part of that uh, uh, that spending bill. It looks like that's the vehicle to get it done. All right, before we take a break, just again want to remind you about that DTN Ag Summit coming up in December. And uh, your chance to win a free registration to that event. Great lineup of speakers. We heard uh, Bryce Anderson tell us about earlier. Just go to our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com, and click on Adams on Agriculture. Scroll down, and you'll see 
DTN Ag Summit where you can enter, fill out the information, and we'll collect those names. And next Monday, we will draw a uh, winner for a free registration to the DTN Ag Summit, and then we'll do another one the following week as well. But that's going to be a big event in Chicago in December. I'll be broadcasting live from there on Tuesday, December 10th. So, again, a chance for you to win a free registration to the DTN Ag Summit. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net, get his thoughts on this late harvest and the markets. So stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, our next guest was a media star last week at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting uh, Convention in Kansas City. Everybody wanted to talk with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. I tell you, I thought you were going to start signing autographs at one point. Uh, it's getting deep in here now, Mike. It was a good time, though. I enjoyed it, that's for sure. It was a good time, and uh, I know a lot of people were talking with, to you about the markets. Let's start with harvest. You're based there in east-central Illinois. How much is uh, still to go in your area? You know, our area is pretty much wrapped up. Uh, there's not a whole lot left in the field right here in our immediate area. You get north of us a little ways, uh you know, and some of those folks are, are still have a little ways left to go. And then you get over towards the east side of the state. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a fair amount out in the field yet. But I'd say most of the beans are pretty much wrapped up. And then uh, a little bit of corn here and there. I think some guys have been trying to wade around, you know, and uh, hope that this would uh, dry down a little bit. But I think what they found, of course, is that uh, really hasn't done so. And we'll see what today's numbers look like. But we know some areas uh, uh, still got a ways to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's areas that... Yeah, I uh, drove uh, actually from Kansas City up to Des Moines and then Des Moines back home, and I was surprised. You know, there's a fair amount of uh, corn in Iowa yet uh, left to go. I saw a few bean fields actually north of Kansas City that uh, needed harvested yet. So, uh, you know, there's still a fair amount of crops. Of the, you know, in some of these areas, guys are sitting around trying to figure out what to do because of the high moisture situation. You know, especially if you can't get propane, it puts you in a pickle if you don't want to have to uh, deliver those bushels to town. All right, so what are the markets focused on right now? Well, I mean, obviously we're coming in here to start the week, and it just, uh, you know, there's not anything bullish to throw at the market to get it uh, fired up. I mean, we had a, you know, we had an export sale that came across the wire this morning on corn, which was sure nice to see, uh, but we need a whole lot more of that, you know, if we're going to get the market fired up, because I believe it was 100 and some thousand tons. So, I mean, regardless, we'll take it, but... Uh, you know, at this stage of the game, I think everyone's frustrated trying to figure out what's going on with this U.S.-Chinese deal. It's 
supposed to be a phone call on Friday that they're going to try to iron out some of the differences. But then, you know, we saw over the weekend where the Chinese are investing a billion dollars in a port in Brazil. And so there's no question that they're trying to uh, manage their risk, if you will, and trying to make sure that they've got their hand where it needs to be uh, moving forward. If USMCA gets passed, and it seems like it's on track to do so this year, how much of a market boost is that? You know, one thing that it would do is shore up that business that we've always had with, uh, uh, you know, with Mexico. I mean, obviously, we've got a rail system uh, designed to efficiently get corn to them, but yet here in the last year, they've bought South American corn, which is exactly what we don't want to see. And so, uh, you know, how much of a boost is it going to be? I think it would get people to thinking that we actually can get uh, some of the more complex trade deals not only agreed upon, but... Uh, politically to get them pushed through the channels because obviously uh, there's been a major uh, major issue trying to get some of these things done politically. I think that the political environment has been part of the reason this market's been so helter-skelter. You know, uh, the confidence that uh, we're going to see something good happen, I think, for a lot of folks is, is not all that high. But then you come in here this morning, uh, you know, and you see the dollars off again here. Uh, we closed a little, little, little bit of a weaker tone there on Friday. And then starting out with a weak tone here again on Monday, and that's definitely something that, uh, you know, producers would like to see because it's going to cheapen up our products on the world market. Maybe we can get this corn export market fired up a little bit. Well, we talk about the board. We talk about the futures market, but really the market, the actions on the basis. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, it's fun to talk about basis because we actually have some positive movement. But, you know, you, you look in uh, areas like in mine, uh, this last week, ADM Decatur was offering uh, free drying up to 19%, uh, you know, and then it was a penny per half point. Above that, up to 22 but they were paying 20 over basis uh, to boot. And so, you know, we had a lot of producers calling us trying to figure out what they wanted to do. Um, and one thing that we found is that uh, no matter what elevator system you're dealing with or processor, uh, we found that there's a fair amount of push in some of these bids because these guys are having a hard time getting a hold of the bushels that they were hoping to get. So, uh, you know, in that particular situation, I think a producer's got to be proactive uh, to be, you know, to, to go out and seek the best deal that they can get. We're really not going to know about this harvest till at least January, are we? Yeah, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I don't think we're going to know then. Yeah, I mean, if you would get really good weather over the next four weeks, maybe you're going to put a lid on most of this and figure it out for the January report. But I guess my opinion is that uh, chances that you're going to have this entire crop put to bed by then are probably somewhere between slim and that. And so uh, for me personally, I have a hard time uh, hard time thinking that uh, we're going to have a really good handle on there in January. I think you're going to have to get farther in, you know, uh, farther into the year before you know. Now, that's the final report, as we all know, uh, for corn and beans. But I think later in the year, uh, some of this is going to play out, whether it comes out through the feed and residual usage category or whatnot. But uh, we're probably not going to actually know exactly what the 2019 crop was, in my opinion, you know, until we get to that uh, final year uh, report, you know, on your carryout there for the uh, September quarterly stocks. All right, Matt, thanks a lot. Thanks for, you know, still taking time as you become this big star, still taking time to be on with us, okay? <laughs> Man, uh, okay. Uh, you, you need to talk to my wife sometime, and maybe, maybe that <laughs> helped me out just a little bit. So, you guys have okay. A all right, yep. thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Matt yep. Bennett with agmarket.net. All right, before we uh, wrap it up, again, I want to remind you of the DTN 
uh, Ag Summit that's coming up in Chicago, December 9, 10, and 11. I'll be broadcasting from there on Tuesday the 10th. Uh, you have a chance to get a free registration to that event. Big lineup of speakers, some important topics. Uh, all you have to do is go to our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Click on Adams on Agriculture. Encourage you to do that all the time anyway. But especially now, because you scroll down, you'll see the DTN Ag Summit registration. And uh, get your name entered in there. And next Monday, we'll draw a name for a free registration to the DTN Ag Summit. We'll do that again the following Monday as well. With that, we'll wrap things up for today. Tomorrow, more uh, on the USMCA chances getting done this year, where that's at, and the very latest on the ongoing trade talks between the U.S. and China and much, much more. So hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day, everyone. 